0: This is Eric Rutan of Cannibal Corpse. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast
1: with Andrew McKay-Smith. G'day, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in to the chat with Avantasia and Edguy frontman Tobias Sammet. It's a killer conversation that covers a lot of ground. Diving into Tobias's philosophy on music... Touring, a bunch of other stuff. The catalyst for the chat, though, is due to the launch of a new album, a new record from Avantasia. This one's titled A Paranormal Evening with the Moonflower Society. Now, before we dive into the chat, if you are listening via the podcast apps I've attuned to share with you, this one is titled The Inmost Light. And once it's done, you'll hear from Tobias. On YouTube you know the, dir- the drill by now we're just going to cut to the conversation right now so either way let's go mate how
2: are you? Hi Andrew how are you doing? I'm fine how are you?
1: I'm <laughs> good are you are you gonna uh are you gonna bring yourself to the party here and turn on your video or is this one to be one of those ones where you'd rather not have the video? <laughs>
2: I'm, I, I, are you one of the ones who don't wear, I other? not um I'm, I prefer not to have video because I'm, I'm I prefer to walk around and fine. and have, no the, drums have at the all. on my ear <laughs> no it's it's really to be honest with you these yeah. new uh, I'm, I'm getting an old fart And the brave new world with all these team viewer and and Zoom and and, 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 and Skype. It's just, I prefer walking around while doing an interview. I'm walking around all the time, doing something, having a coffee here, then walking there, then going opening (laughs) the door. I can't do that. And you stare at a screen and ah, I, I hate it.
1: No, no dramas. It's uh, look, no worries whatsoever. <laughs> the point is, and I know it will be because we've had a conversation before, the quality of the conversation is always great with you. And that's the main thing. That's what I want people to understand. It's just, you know, bloody consumers, mate, these days, they're video, so video centric. It's nuts.
2: Okay, but 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 the quality is 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 it okay for you now the way we have it or or the, it's perfect. the audio? Quality? Oh no, that's what
1: I'm saying. No, it's perfect. No, no dramas whatsoever. Okay. Yeah, no, I just thought I'd ask the question up front. Um just out of habit, I asked the question. But like, like I was saying, the uh I had a conversation with you uh on the eve of the launch of the last album, or was it the last Australian tour? I can't recall now, but it was a great con yeah, great conversation. We talked about a whole bunch of things. So the tour went really well. I know it did.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah! That was a real good tour. That was the good old day when you were able to tour. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah,
1: I know. Uh, mm-hmm.
2: it, it was. It was. Ni- Two thousand nineteen was a very successful year for Avantasia. It was really. It was really big and everything. We were an uphill wave and uh, uphill wave. Does that make sense? Uh, not that really. Does.
1: Up- oh, I know what you're saying. No, uh, uh, you mean you were. You you were know what? We well. I mean, the
2: point. <laughs> we were on a wave and. On a, with a di- using a different metaphor, we were going uphill. Uh, but uh, yeah, but it is what it is. And I don't want to complain because these days, life is not too bad for Avantasia and me either. So hmm. uh, yeah, it is, it is good. I'm, I'm, I'm happy
1: with how things are. It certainly is good based on the quality of a paranormal evening with the Moonflower Society. It's, uh, I've got to say, it's more of everything. Okay, which I kind of expected from you because you've been doing this a long time now. But it's lovely to hear it. So the new album, of course, that's its name. And Arabesque, I've got to say, off off the cuff, is probably one of the finest cuts you've ever written. Okay, so oh, thank you song. very much. Uh, thank
2: you, thank you. I'm, I'm I'm happy with it. I have to say, it's uh, it's really funny because that song had been written during the Moon Glow era. It had been. Uh-huh. It had. It's one of those two songs on this record have been leftovers from the Moon Glow era. And it just didn't make it onto the Moonglow album because we already had two epics on the Moonglow album. And it was like um, drawing lots. Uh, <laughs> trying, It was not that the worst of those three epics was k- kicked off the Moonglow album. It was just, oh, those two other songs were already there. So I skipped Arabesque and here it is now. But yeah. funny thing is I skipped a long epic that I wrote after Arabesque that was supposed to be on this album. Uh, a Paranormal Evening with a Moonflower, a society album. So there is a long song that is going to be on the next album, <laughs> that, that was Excellent. supposed to be on this album, and it's going to feature Jeff Tate. That I can already uh, um, say.
1: <laughs> well, it's, it's like you're anticipating where I'm headed with my questions then or the, the, the conversation, if you like, because you have talked in the past about how much you, you've been inspired, I think, is the right word by, by Jeff Tate. Queen Shrike and this is the third album that you're working with him on if I'm not mistaken but what what is it the song Scars is probably the second my second favorite song on the album I've got to say so what is it about working with Jeff that is so special
2: um he's very he's he's been a huge inspiration for me and I think without Jeff um uh, we we wouldn't be singing the way we sing and I think I speak on behalf of probably 95 percent uh, of all vocalists in traditional anthemic heavy metal with uh, classic vocals. Uh, Jeff has been, um, he's been absolutely paving the way for all of us. Michael Kiske, me, uh, uh, I think many, if, if you go to various if you ask the singers in Rhapsody, and I think they all appreciate Jeff's vocals and they've all been coined and, and inspired by him. Uh he took that type of singing to a different level. I mean, there has been um Bruce Dickinson and Rob Halford before and Ian Gillen, but I think Jeff added drama and theatrics to it in a way he 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 got a lot of opera into traditional heavy mm. metal. And and I've been singing his songs back and forth in my teenage years, take hold of the flame. Uh, Revolution Calling uh, Eyes of a Stranger I Don't Believe in Love Though I've always been a huge fan of him and it mm. means a lot to be writing for him and it's funny, when I write for him it's, it's almost as if he's next to me because I can already when I write a song, I can already imagine what it sounds like when Jeff sings it and I can hear it in my mind, I can hear it and what I hear in my mind, even before Jeff knows about the song. I can hear him sing those passages. And what I hear is pretty similar to what the result sounds like. So in some way, I think his singing is in my DNA.
1: (coughs) And again, it's like you're anticipating where I'm headed with the conversation. Because I, w- I want to find out how you choose which vocalist for which song. So you just described how it works with Jeff, but is it like that, say with Ralph, Ralph Sheepers, is it like that with the other fellas, Bob, even uh, Michael, John, Floor, you know, the girl in the album? Is it like that for them as well?
2: Um, there, there's no rule without an exception, I'd say, or there is no mm. rules at all. Um, it's all, A lot of what I do, or most of what I do, is based on intuition and. With Ralph, uh, in in his case, it was I was working on the song "The Wicked Rule the Night," and I was working on the verse, and uh, I I sang along to the verse, and I immediately realized, oh, that's a song that is Ralph Shapers has to sing that one. (laughs) I know Ralph's voice; I've known it for a long time since the first Gamma Ray albums, and I know what he's capable of doing, and I know what a perfect mix of sheer aggression and power and melodic classical singing he is. And that song needed those both, those both aspects. And, um, and it was intuition. I wrote the verse and I thought, OK, that's got to be Ralph Shapers. I contacted him and he agreed um, and, and sang it. Um, with Bob, sometimes I have an idea and a song idea and a sound aesthetic or sound aesthetics in my mind and then I think of Bob Kettley. And then once I thought of Bob Kettley, he's also been so inspirational to me. It, it, the song um, gets a life of its own and it guides me with Bob's voice in mind. It's pretty similar to working with, with Jeff's voice in mind. Um, the same for Michel Kiske. It's like when I have a song idea and it's a traditional anthemic speed metal song or a certain mm. kind of singing, I know... This has to be mickey it's this i I always have those associations in my head and when i work with mickey in the back of my head once i've started to work on a song that i think would be right for mickey then it's like mickey is sitting in the same room and i'm working on it and i'm coming up with melodies and i sing them in my head sometimes i don't even have to sing them out loud i have to it's enough to imagine them and i hear them with mickey's voice and um so that's very inspirational too Sometimes you just write a song and you, never, mm. you don't know who's going to sing it, uh, which was the case in, uh, for example, I Tamed the Storm or the song with Floor Janssen, mm. uh, Misplaced Among the Angels. Floor Jansen is a very, very good example to explain the both different ways of working. It, it could be Misplaced Among the Angels was a song that had been written way before I had thought of Floor. Uh, the song was finished uh, writing-wise and, and also recording of it, uh, most of it, and then I thought, "Oh, that could be great for Floor Jansen," and I got in touch with Floor, and Floor agreed to sing with Avantasia. But she heard the song and thought, "Hmm, it's a great song, but I'm not sure it's exactly my range." Don't you have to do something else? Hmm. And I went, "Oh, uh, no, but give me a few days. I'm going to write something." And I wrote "Kill the Pain Away." Within a few days, um, three, four days, uh, and and we we recorded it. We recorded a demo. And I send it to her. And she said, oh, that's, that's perfect. That was tailor-made for Floor. And then she also sang Misplaced Among the Angels because she became acquainted with the song. And she finally said, oh, yeah, for some reason it worked. I checked it out again. And I'm, actually, I really like it. So she sang that song, too. And it works beautifully, too. So two songs with the same singer. One was written with her in mind. One was written with her not in mind. Mm. They both work So that's why I say There's no rule really I I just A lot of what I do Is based on intuition
1: Has anybody Knocked you back After you've asked them To appear On an Aventajer album?
2: Um, In the past Absolutely I mean um, I wanted to work with uh, It's an open It's not a secret I've always Mm. wanted to work With Bruce Dickinson Um, Mm. But And and I think he's He's a He's a lovely person i've I've met him only briefly uh, on a few occasions but uh, the whole iron maiden camp i think they're nice people and and also Rod smallwood but Rod said in a a very polite way Toby, this is not going to happen because uh bruce has so many things to do and he wants to do his own stuff and he wants to focus on iron maiden um he needs to focus on iron maiden and i i accept that absolutely so uh that's not going to happen um I also wanted to work with Meatloaf, and and it looked good. And then his management said, "Oh no, we don't do it for now." And of course, um, it's that was um, it's it's not going to happen. Unfortunately, um, yeah.
1: Paul like lost it though, didn't he? Did you see the video of him at the AFL Grand Final in 2014? I think it was. I mean, he toward the end there, he probably shouldn't have been on stage. It was. Really sad to see. To be quite honest with you, so it might have been for the best either way.
2: Um, yeah, well, but you know, you just—it's—I it's, know that he was—he was struggling vocally. Mm. I think I, I asked him in 2015, and he did the Brave That We Are album after that. Mm. Um, I think you know some singers do struggle at a certain age, especially when they have very demanding things to sing, and when they have been in the trenches for so long. Vocally and you know bands singers fronting rock bands uh, Competing with a wall of guitars for yeah. 40 years It's absolutely no surprise that at some point their voice will surrender and raise the white flag um, But still I oh, I will always prefer one of those true original that's been in the trenches for long uh, That has the scars and the wear and tear of the road and of 45-50 years of work, uh, with every crack in their voice telling a tale of the way that lies behind them and the experience they carry with them. I always prefer that over uh, a neat and clean and flawless vocalist replacing one of those icons. Um I'm I'm always pro-original. And I rather accept the wear and tear of the road. So for me, the struggles of meatloaf, and you can also, there are some other singers that do have certain problems. Um, For me, that doesn't minimize their lifetime achievement and the joy that they give to me that Hmm. I derive from watching them. Even when they struggle, I'm, I'm... I, I'm always taking the whole package into consideration, and then I always, I'm, I'm very, um, um, I don't know the word now, but but I, I really I really prefer those originals.
1: Hmm. I saw Ripper the other night, just on Friday night actually, and and unbelievable. You and he have something in common is in that your quality is there. And just alluding to the point you made about wanting to watch originals, people that have been in the trenches. I, I'm the same. But who, the reality who, who's is, been, who's
2: been, who, who were you speaking about? I didn't.
1: Oh, Ripper Owens, Tim Ripper Owens, you know, ex Judas Priest singer.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, he's a
1: yeah. Uh, he's a, he's
2: a great singer. Mm.
1: Yeah. Don't unreal. you think so? Oh, unreal, fantastic. Yeah. yeah, that's my point. But my point is, some have lost it, some have still got it. He's definitely he's not just still got it. He's getting better somehow. Uh, yeah, but, but, but he's
2: but he's a young chap, he's not been in the trenches for so long. I mean, he's just mm. he's just been singing two tours with Judas Priest. I don't want to downsize his achievements, not at all, not, not mm. a minute of it. But uh but I'm talking about singers that you know 70, 75. It's it's very obvious that yeah. at some point, I mean, it's all based on muscles, and of course you lose your strength at some point. But I will always prefer Rob Helford not, not Rob Helford over Ripper Owens that's, a, that's an unfair comparison But I will always prefer um, Let's say Paul Stanley Over oh,
0: yeah.
2: a Kiss tribute singer mm-hmm. No, I want to see Paul Stanley And if he struggles well Then so be it it's, It will always be King Paul Absolutely for me
1: I just saw him actually a couple of, about a month or so back, three or four weeks back, and he's still got it. I, I think they're piping in their own vocal, so it's a tandem thing. I don't know this. I'm theorising it, okay? I want to be clear on this. I don't don't know this for a fact, but it was almost perfect, truly. Yeah, so, but, you know,
2: I, I, I don't know. I don't want to judge if they use help or not, Or, but the thing is I've seen their show five years ago something like that. Hmm. Um, It was a bit rough, but it was absolutely entertaining and that's what counts there were 12 or fourteen thousand people in front of the stage and they all felt perfectly entertained so so was i absolutely mission accomplished
1: Mm, yep you certainly bring it There's, there's no doubt about that so here's a question for you that i hope you haven't been asked so i thought about this one what is the greatest ambition you have for your music
2: Ambition. I don't know if I'm too ambitious. I wanted to. I've always wanted to be. Um, I can think of what I wanted to uh, achieve, and um, I think I've achieved that. I wanted to be able to to live uh, from my music to to feed myself and now my family with my music. That was all I wanted to achieve, and uh, I wanted to be able to to do records and play some tours. I have to say I achieved way more than I ever asked for and I achieved so much it it's enough for three or four careers and that's why I'm very very thankful so I am not as ambitious as people think I just want to be allowed to record more music because music to me it's of course it's great to be on a stage and to get all the acclaim and the uh, the mm. uh, the uh, a- approval and uh, well People cheering at you—that's great. But the thing is, to me, it's almost—it's got a self-therapeutic aspect as well. It's self-therapy. I want to create music. I want to be creative. I want to record albums and 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 play my music for myself and and sell enough records or concert tickets to uh, <laughs> to feed my family with it, so I yeah. don't have to get up in the morning and do a shit sh- shit job. Mm -hmm. Uh, that would uh, prevent me from being creative. Um, So that's all I can ask for, and I've achieved that. So there is no real ambition. I don't have a bucket list saying, oh, okay, okay." you know, if a a ferry would come and grant me three wishes, and I could say, okay, I want to have a 15 times platinum record in the U.S., and I want to sell out Madison Square Garden, 12 subsequent nights, please, <laughs> with amtasia. And she would say, okay, I can, I can see what I can do. I would probably phrase that wish. But, you know, um, the world will not stop turning for me. If that ferry will not pop up. And in fact, I think it's quite a high risk that it won't happen. Those ferries don't pop up usually
0: yeah no nah, <laughs> it's like it's the same
2: it's it's as <laughs> unlikely as aliens coming to planet earth <laughs> knocking at your door and asking you oh i want to hear about your music which record would you play to me to make me understand your music the same thing is i think it's very unlikely to be asked to live on a desert island uh um, with just three things <laughs> that you are allowed to take from home or three albums from your record collection never heard Of a serious case Where somebody was asked Hey, take three records Out of your collection And then go to a Desert Island Mm -hmm. Never heard of that (laughs) It's very impractical
1: (laughs) I know They're just trying to I think people are just trying To get to the bottom Of the albums That mean the most to you But it's sort of Beside the point, isn't it Because you can't just pick three Ah, When you're a musician That's the
2: reason Ah (laughs) <laughs> that's
1: I, that's what it must be. I don't know. I could never pick three. Of There's course. been too many that have that have had an influence, you know. But uh here's another question that I thought about for you. What's the best mm-hmm. thing you've heard someone say about your music?
2: Um I, I think it's always very flattering, not flattering, but it, it makes me happy when people say um when people say uh, that that it helped them through difficult times and that it gave mm. them strength that 's something that 's the most the most important thing that 's when it there 's a true truly profound uh reason to be doing what i do and that's that 's a good proof on a different occasion. what really meant a lot to me was when I have this one uh, great moment that I, I, I was playing or we were playing with that guy in, in Spain mm. and we were playing with Iron Maidman. Steve Harris came to me backstage. Um, it was Rod Smallwood knocked the door of our dressing room and came in and he said, hey, Toby, Steve wants to talk to you. He usually doesn't do that because apparently Steve Harris is a very shy person. I don't understand why. Biggest bass <laughs> player in the history of metal. But anyway, <laughs> yes. um, uh, and he came and he said, hey, Toby, congratulations. What a great show. And when you hear that out of the word of a, a demigod, let, let's put it this way, a great bass player, you know, 20 amazing albums with Iron Maiden, um, when you hear that out of his mouth, well, it, it kind of, um, it's, it's a reward. It's, a, it's, it's like getting an award for your lifetime achievement. It's, mm-hmm. To me, that then, you know, those arrows, flying towards you from uh, asshole critics that Mm -hmm. do exist Mm. they become so irrelevant it it was it was great and also you know when you get compliments from your heroes when people like alice cooper say oh scarecrow what a great record or um when klaus Meiner works works with you on your record and um those things that that mean A lot to me When It doesn't have to be public Or in the press Or anything Um, Of course Every uh, uh, Acclaim Is um, Is flattering But When those people That mean so much to you And your career And you starting out as a kid When those people Come to you and say Hey That was really Really great I really love it Great job You're a great singer That's what Steve Harris told me Hmm. And That means a lot I have to say I'm a fanboy
1: that's huge, yeah, that's huge. I mean, look, how many people would he say that to? Let's face it, maybe you and probably you could probably count on the on one hand the amount of people he said that to, so that's enormous
2: yeah yeah i, I was I was really that was a great moment for me. It was just like, okay, it was a great show. it was the fans loved it, but that was the icing
1: on the cake <laughs> that's when you know that you You've already made it, you're already a success, you're doing what you God's put you on this earth to do financially it's all happened you've got a fan base, but that's when you know you're really moving the needle isn't it
2: yeah yeah it it was um yeah it it, it it's i mean that's as 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 good as it gets
1: when that's mm, huge um, yeah yeah there's a few things that get said on this show mate but that's one of the biggest things that that's been said because you're right nobody even meets Steve he doesn't socialize to your point he doesn't get out there and he doesn't like doing interviews he doesn't really like talking to people he's really a homebody and loves soccer loves playing soccer and yet he's given you that great feedback
2: Yeah it was it was to me it was it, it meant it was it wasn't a long conversation it was maybe 5 minutes or something but I really um and I will you know I remember it, that was probably 10 years ago or something like that and mm. I have to say um I will carry that I mean um we have played with maiden more often and it's all uh, you know is that we we're always treated nicely and all's good um <clears throat> but that that instant that that always does something to you as an artist and you remember that when you mm. bump into younger musicians and uh, how much how much that meant to the younger me Mm. um that's something that that you you want to pass on and 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 you sometimes reconsider and think of that and say hey you like their show you have to go there and tell them and let them Mm. know because they will they will probably carry some strength from it and that's why I, i always try to um to when when i like something and i discover something that i like i always try to leave a comment at somebody's website. Or at the Facebook page, or I I try to I, I try to let people know when I when I like something because I think maybe that means something to them. And then it's it's good not to be silent about it, but to actually say something about it.
1: Hmm. You're very my take on you as as a you're well rounded from the perspective that you've got the necessary flamboyance to be one of the premier metal front men of our generation, yet. You're very down to earth at the same time and you connect with fans so if you were if you were asked to describe yourself in a sentence, what do you think you'd say
2: um, oh in one sentence i don't know mm. it's really hard to describe yourself because uh, i think um, <clears throat> I can be very emotional in every direction you know I can be very very um hot tempered and I can be very melancholic <laughs> it's <laughs> it's I like to. I don't socialize a lot, but at the same time, that's weird. Actually, I'm actually I'm quite a shy person. I don't socialize a lot, but when <clears throat> when I'm when somebody pushes me on stage, and sometimes mm. I push myself on stage, then it's it's like um, it's like somebody turns a switch mm. and and uh, or or applies a switch. It's like then i I really enjoy being there and entertaining people say hey everybody look at me here i am and then <laughs> as soon as the curtain falls i'm again this little pathetic piece of <laughs> desperation <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and hey give me a give me a, a, a piece of pizza and then leave me alone in my hotel room <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's it's really weird um so yeah. I, I don't know you i think it's, I'm not the only one who's like that. I think Justin Hawkins of the Darkness. Um, I've I've talked to him. Um, uh, uh, the feeling I have from seeing his onstage persona and talking to him backstage, it's the same thing. And also, um, I, I think a lot of Alice Cooper is the same way. I don't think he's very melancholic, and and, and uh, he's not a pathetic appearance uh, when he's off stage. But on stage, he's Alice Cooper, and backstage, he's a guy in sneakers. Um, who's very well aware that you should not really fall for the illusion of what people perceive who you are yes. it's uh, it's 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 a show and i try to be an honest artist but still i don't believe that i'm something something extraordinary when i leave stage you know then i'm toby and when you, especially when you come home from a tour and your wife reminds you of oates trash day <laughs> yeah, then you then you know you have arrived in reality.
1: <laughs> <laughs> got to go and pick up the dog shit and put out the garbage. Yeah, no, I get it. Yeah, it's uh, isn't that it a is. nice isn't that a nice juxtaposition though? You got the life on the road and the adulation of people that that have had a it long is. hard day at work, and then you get to entertain them and get to be the uh, the light in their life just for that moment in time. I'm not saying you know that people have it shitty is. lives or whatever, it is. but you get it. Yeah.
2: It is great to have both worlds, but I have to say, the um, the first two days off the road after coming back from a tour, they are the hardest. You know, when you're screaming for towels, and yeah. when you say, "Hey, where are my <laughs> servants? Somebody pass me a pineapple, please." Oh, yeah. oh, the pineapple doesn't taste. Where's my crossbow? Um, <laughs> you, um, you really, when you get home and and you're being told to, oh, why don't you just Bring out the garbage, exactly, as you say. Um, yeah. The first two days are a bit of a challenge <laughs> when, you're, when you're reminded that you are not the king.
1: Yeah, I, can, I, can, I never lived it, but I can only imagine it would be like that. Yeah do you, do, you, do you enjoy the road aspect of it? Do you understand the tour buses, the airplanes, the airports?
2: Uh, no. But yeah. <laughs>
1: I hate tour buses. I Don't have to say,
2: it. I feel like yeah. in in uh, like uh, uh, on a submarine, and and I just i um, I I just hate it. It's shaking, and you want to yeah. sleep, and somebody's snoring, and somebody's drinking heavily, and somebody yeah. is 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 noisy, and then you can hear the bathroom. Somebody's listening to music, and then oh, we need to get off the bus. There's a ferry. Oh, great! It's three o'clock in the morning. Let's get off yeah. the bus because yeah. we only have to show tomorrow. Um, so it's it's really it can be demanding, but I don't want to whine about it. And especially I have to say after this year, when mm. we uh, when we got back on the road, and we were approaching um, um, the coastline of Spain for the first show after a two and a half years hiatus or hibernation or whatever you call the Corona mm. pandemic timeout. Um, I all of a sudden I realized I have my job back, and I kind of um, uh, I don't want to say I swore that I will never complain about anything again. I could not swear that, um, mm. but I, I could not promise that. But the thing is, I, I was I was reminded of how fortunate I am, and and it was a it was an overwhelming moment, uh, thinking of how I have my job back and realizing it. And uh, I think on this whole tour, I didn't complain about a single thing, or maybe a single thing or two, but not too many things, not as usual. Um, Mm. As usual, when you're on the road for eight weeks, 10 weeks, 12 weeks in a row, in the past couple of years prior to the pandemic, there are things that are annoying. And I know uh, I sound like a spoiled brat here, But it's quite demanding because you have to go on stage and you have to be in shape and you have to Mm. deliver. There's no excuses, no apologies. You have to sing. Your voice has to work. Therefore, you need sleep. You need sleep. You need to nourish well. You need a a certain time to relax. And sometimes on the road, that's not possible. And then the more you're stressed out, the more these little things become annoying. When somebody wakes you up at night, when you have a noisy hotel room, when you have noise in front of the hotel, or something like that, and you can't sleep, and you, you you're, you're stressing out. You say, I need to sleep, otherwise I can't sing tomorrow. These little things become annoying. This summer, I have to say, it was a mental thing. I was not complaining about things, I was just appreciating the fact that I was allowed to have my job back. Mm-hmm. But to answer your question, Um, There are things about life on the road that I don't enjoy I think I will never really love a tour bus I will never love it Even after COVID And even after being appreciative of having my job back I will never be appreciative of having a nightliner tour bus back I don't like these things They shake and smell and nah, I don't like them
1: (laughs) But, you know, I accept that no, you're mm. only human and you're only human until we have teleportation devices. They're, they're, unfortunately, that's that's what has to be done. But let, I'll ask a couple more questions, but here's a question that I've asked a lot of people over the past three years or so, ever since COVID kicked in. Scotty and Lewis from Carnifex memorably told me that it effectively had brought them and the band to, to its knees to the point where they didn't think they were going to be able to go on. But how was it for you guys? Because the band is a business.
2: I didn't understand your question. What was that?
1: So COVID, COVID, and the way that it you couldn't tour and potentially mm-hmm. sell merch and all of this sort of stuff—it was all then online. The lifeblood of most musicians is touring and being on the road, mm-hmm. selling merch at, at gigs and that sort of stuff. Not being able to do that through COVID meant that you didn't have an income source. And of course, you've probably got your regular roadies that you work with. This type of thing was was COVID a catastrophe financially? For the band, or was it just one of those things? You had enough in the bank to sort of be able to truck on through until here we are. We're on the other side, and you clearly can sort of get back to recording and touring again.
2: Um, I uh, my situation is quite is quite not so bad. So of course it was. Um, it was a, a catastrophe for many people that I'm surrounded with, the technicians, hmm. a, lot of, a lot of backliners just um, quit their job in the music industry and yeah. found something else to work. That's why a lot of them disappeared. So it was a catastrophe for the working environment, for the whole scene, for the whole business, for everything. Me personally, I'm in the fortunate position that um, we have been very successful in the past, so it didn't affect me uh, in a in a bad way. Mm. Um, I could I could deal with the consequences of the COVID pandemic, but still, um, of course, it's not just a, a question of uh, economics. It's also a question of um, uh, your mental well being because mm-hmm. it is quite difficult um, to realize. That everything you love, your job, your passion um the existence of your of your musical future is at stake, and that was a way bigger problem mentally than um fortunately than the the financial worries had to be
1: mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, no, I can appreciate that yeah it's uh we didn't know when we were going to get out of it at the end of two thousand and twenty. So did we nobody knew what was going on because, because in the US there were severe lockdowns as there were here in Australia and parts of I know Germany was had lockdowns too, and we had yeah, yeah, no, no idea it was it was, it was, it was Armageddon? And it was challenging, species.
2: and you you didn't know it. And and I, I was I was amongst those people who didn't even complain because I didn't know who to address my complaints to, because nobody knew. I couldn't blame those politicians that that came up with the lockdowns, they were all facing a new situation and that we were all in dire straits. We were sitting in this shit show together mm. and, and it was, we were all in the same boat. So I understand that some people unleashed their fury towards politics and towards economic, economy and the health system and everything. And I knew that, uh, I understand how people came up with all weird kinds of theories to, to unleash their fury and let off pressure. But down the line, it didn't, it, it, those, that behavior doesn't make things better. And that's why I said, okay, I could be angry and stamp with my feet and get out the, um, the fork and, and raise my fork towards the sky and stamp my, stomp my forks. Um, but it, it, it wouldn't make things better.
1: Yeah. yeah. I
2: know. So, so I, I, all I could do is, as I usually do when, when there is a health issue, I was relying to my doctors and um and okay, I said, okay, yeah, this shit is probably serious, as they say and so so be it, but of course it was real really hard to 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 watch the whole business dissolve and 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 crumble down
1: yeah uh, yeah, and yeah, I mean, I'm just so glad we I'm so glad we're out of it. And that we can look forward to tours again. The tours are happening here again.
2: Yeah, here, here too. But it's of course we have with with our economy. It's pretty difficult right now because of uh, the war in the Ukraine and the uh, the gas prices and everything. It's it's very um, it's it's there's quite many challenges and the economy is not doing too well over here. So, but again, no complaints. Let's take things as they are and make the best out of it. That's what I've learned from my grandparents, my parents. Don't complain. Make the best out of it. And that's what I'm trying to do. And yeah. um, I will never lose my happiness, I hope. And there's always going gonna to be hope and light at the end of the tunnel. So um, the sun is going to rise tomorrow. Oh, that sounds like a cheap calendar, ma'am. <laughs> but, but it's, it's card.
1: <laughs> I like it. That's good. Uh, hey, oh, sorry, can you hear me?
2: I can, I can hear
1: you. Oh, sorry, I just cut out there for a bit. Hey, have I got time for a couple more questions? Is that cool?
2: But I think I have
1: to. Go. You got another yeah, one? But no worries. No, that's it. all good. Oh, yeah. I was just gonna, just gonna ask, mate. When is the autobiography coming out? Please tell me you've got one coming out soon. Oh yeah, but I or?
2: still have. I, yeah, I mean, no, I, I I'm not working on it, but I have so many more chapters to experience first. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so um so uh, at some point I'm going to write maybe one but but it shouldn't be just a biography because nobody's interested in what I've experienced I think I have to have some something more um profound to to say I don't believe in hey I grew up in the suburbs of this small town in um, in Germany and I'm not, I'm not sure if that stuff would be interesting to people so uh, I will write it down at some point just to remember it for myself but to release it I need something more profound to to say than just hey and then I did that and then I did another tour and then we did another album then I did another tour and then I did another album and by the way this person is a real asshole in private I, I don't want to write those kinds <laughs> of
1: biographies. Yeah. Those books can definitely be that way on oh, no. a I know, yeah. Well, look, I better let you go to the next one. Always a pleasure to have a chat with you. Good luck with everything. The new album is absolutely superb. You know I'm a fan. I hope to see you down here again sometime soon.
2: Thank you very much. Same goes. And uh, I'm optimistic. Maybe there is a chance for us to come down to Australia next year. Um, I haven't given up hope yet.
1: Fingers Uh crossed that happens. Yeah, I'd love to see. Please bring Eric Martin down again too. That was phenomenal, seeing him in in the flesh playing your stuff. So, uh, yeah, awesome. Hope it can happen
2: thank you yeah yeah i hope he's he's part of the family he belongs to the inventory so
1: okay Bad, good to chat brother no worries
2: okay same goes have a lovely evening and uh, hope to see you in australia
1: fingers crossed <laughs> i'll be there when you okay. when you come down no worries
2: all right then.
1: Bye. talk to bye. you again catch ya. talk bye. to you
2: sure.
1: cheers see ya Well, there he is, the German maestro, Tobias Sammet from Avantasia and Ed Guy. And actually, on that note, I did have one question prepared about Ed Guy. I just wanted to know if the group was an ongoing concern or on the back burner or what was happening there because it's been uh, certainly more than five years since we've heard from them in regards to a studio album. But we ran out of time. Next time. Okay, so if you like that chat, there are many more just like it over at scarsandguitars.com. If you like listening to the show, maybe you'll like reading the book as well because I've written one, Scars and Guitars, Volume 1, Conversations from the World of Heavy Metal and Beyond. Click the link on the front page of the website there. You'll be taken to a marketplace of your choice. You can download a sample, and if you do complete the purchase because you like the sample, you like reading the first couple of chapters, please do hit me up because I want to thank you personally. My name's Andrew mackay smith and I'm the host of the Scars and Guitars podcast. Until next time, it is a very goodbye for now.
0: This is Eric Rutan of Cannibal Corpse. You are listening to the Scars and
1: Guitars podcast with Andrew McKay-Smith. I've been the host of the Scars and Guitars podcast since 2017. The first musician I interviewed for the show was David Vincent from Morbid Angel, and things have just snowballed from there. In all, I've posted almost 650 podcast episodes featuring conversations with many of the leading lights of rock, heavy metal, and beyond. And beyond. It just got to a point where I thought, I need to write a book about all this, so that's exactly what I did. In Scars and Guitars Volume 1, you'll read a heap of deep reveals and commentary, such as Des Fafara talking about Cold Chamber and why the band will never return.
2: You know, if you're a, a band just starting out, you need to hear me.
1: Do not start a band with partners. Ever. Yeah, wise, wise words. there. Uh, sage advice, mate, for anybody. Don't like, ever, because I
2: I can't go do cold chamber right now unless I get others involved.
1: Phil Anselmo talks about the episode in his career, which gives him the greatest sense of accomplishment.
0: I think the staying power of the the fans and the staying power of the I, of the songs. You know, whether it's Pantera Down or Superjoint, the fans remember the songs.
1: Alex Skolnick from Testament confirms it. Yes. Playing the guitar in Ozzy's band is anything but an ordinary gig. Will Oz from Demu Gear write a book? Pa from Sabaton gives advice to people who want to start a band. Look at the team around you, look at the bandmates mates. If, uh, if the guys want to be on the stage, then it's all cool. If the guys want to be backstage, then it's not going to be cool. Current and former members of Cradle of Filth discuss the band's seminal 90s material. Read about the reaction. George Lynch and Mark from Suicide Silences comments when they throw shade at then President Donald Trump. We have this idiotic monster, you know, this egotistical, self-aggrandizing, complete piece of shit in there.
0: I, I, I just, I just can't understand how we've gotten to this place.
1: And yeah, we kicked a hornet's nest with Sepultura. Percussive Overlord Gene Hoagland talks about recording with Chuck Schuldiner.
0: Chuck was always, um, you know, he was, he was very, you know, very open-minded, and and he was into having his his musicians that were playing with him just reach out for, for the best stuff that they had.
1: Phil Campbell from Motorhead discusses what it takes to get sober. John Five answers his critics, who dismiss his tenure, with Marilyn Manson. You know, my name is John Five, and Manson gave me that name, and uh, I... I had some of the best years of my life in that band and and learned a lot. And we get the lowdown on Trey Agzagthoth from those who would know, including his mother. All across Scars and Guitars Volume 1 there are moments of tension, relief, tragedy, exhilaration and throughout it all you'll obtain insight that I believe no one else has managed to obtain from many of your favourite artists. So treat yourself, Scars and Guitars Volume 1 is currently available as an ebook with a print edition on the horizon. Follow the links attached and download a sample. I'm sure you'll be compelled to read the whole book.